Hey, this is Pastor Jay Lee, and you're listening to the Daily Sabbath Podcast. All right, welcome to the Daily Sabbath Podcast. And guys, I have to tell you, I am super excited about our conversation today. Uh, This is a topic that, honestly, I have been wondering about pretty much my entire Christian life. As long as I've been a Christian, this has been a topic that I've just found so mysterious, uh, have so, so many questions about. And so I'm excited that we can talk about this. And so our topic today is spiritual gifts. And more specifically, we're going to be talking today about the miraculous gifts of the Spirit, or maybe some people would call the charismatic gifts of the Spirit. And so, you know, if any of you guys who have been Christians for any amount of time, have been in the church any amount of time, then you're probably aware that this is a topic about which there is kind of a broad range of ideas and beliefs within the church, right? That on one end of the spectrum, you have Christians who believe that really that these miraculous gifts have ceased, that these charismatic gifts uh, are no longer in operation. There are no people walking around with the gift of healing or the gift of prophecy. And then on the complete other end of the spectrum, you have Christians who believe these gifts are very much still in operation in the church. And in fact, everything that they do is pretty much built around these gifts. And then if you're like me, there's a bunch of us kind of somewhere in between there, just trying to figure out what's going on here. And so my special guest today is Christine Osbrink. Uh, She is a good friend of the Daily Sabbath. She has the distinction of being the very first guest that I've ever had on the podcast, the very first interview I've ever done. And uh, she is also a fellow blogger on Instagram. She's a creative. She publishes her spoken word poetry and um, is just an encourager on the Instagram platform. She is constantly just spreading the good news about Jesus, spreading love and encouragement. But she also happens to be somebody who walks in these gifts. And so I couldn't think of somebody who I would be more excited to interview about this topic. And so, Christine, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. Thank you so much, Jay. It is always my honor and absolute joy and privilege to partner um, in the advancement of the kingdom with you, my friend. And I am so excited that we get to tackle this important, important topic together and bring some balance and some biblical perspective and some Holy Spirit perspective. And I pray and trust that it is going to be a great encouragement to the listeners. Yeah, I mean... You know, this is a topic where I wouldn't just ask anybody like I I feel like I needed to ask somebody who is a friend and somebody (laughs) who, you know, I trust and who trusts me because it, it can be a controversial topic. And so, you know, with my friends, I feel a little bit more comfortable to sort of lean on you guys a little bit more and really kind of get into more of the nitty gritty and the specifics. And I'm a very curious person. I have so many just very specific kinds of questions <laughs> about some of these gifts and and how you practice them and things like that. And so, Christine, thank you so much for letting me, you know, really kind of get into some of the more specifics of these kinds of conversations, because I think these these specifics are the kinds of things that maybe a lot of us who, you know, and, and full disclosure, I'm a person who does not walk in really these gifts. I mean, I right. guess every spiritual gift is technically miraculous, right? Like, yes. so first, first disclaimer right there. I mean, all yes, spiritual yes. gifts 
are technically yes. uh, miraculous because they're yes. not originating from ourselves. They're originating from God. Amen. But, and we should mention while we're on that topic that salvation is actually the greatest miracle. Amen. So Amen. we're talking about the miraculous. That's important for people to know. You know, it's not just all about these gifts. Salvation is the greatest miracle. Amen. Yeah. And so, you know, for somebody like me, I, you know, I don't walk in these more charismatic gifts. And so, you know, I, I really appreciate this opportunity to be able to like kind of dig into uh, your experience with these gifts and get, kind of get into that specificity. But, you know, with these interviews, I always like to start from the beginning. You know, let, let's start from yeah. the Bible. Because, you know, there's there's people who are probably listening to this who maybe are not like fully versed in this conversation, you know, and so they need a little bit more foundation and context. Like, what are we talking about when we're talking about, you know, gifts of the spirit, spiritual gifts? What are we talking about when we're talking about kind of the more charismatic gifts? Like, where can I look in the Bible where it talks about some of these things? And so, Christine, if you wouldn't mind, can you just kind of start us off by giving us a little bit of that biblical foundation of, of where this conversation comes from? Yes, absolutely. 100% Jay. And I think the best place we can go is into the word because it gives us a framework for everything that we're going to be talking about. So where people could look to find this information about what we are defining the charismatic spiritual gifts or the spiritual gifts that come from the Holy Spirit, we find that actually um, in the New Testament. Um, and that is going to be a passage straight out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the verses that we're going to read are verses 4 through 14. Um, and this is what the Word of God says. It says, There are different kinds of gifts, starting in verse 4, but they are all given to believers by the same Spirit. And that's, of course, talking about the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, God the Father, mm -hmm. God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. So they are given to believers by the same Spirit. There are different ways to serve, but they all come from the same Lord. There are different ways the Spirit works, but the same God is working in all these ways in all people. The Holy Spirit, now we're in verse 7, is given to each of us in a special way. That is for the good of all. To some people, the Spirit gives a message of wisdom. To others, the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives a message of knowledge. To others, the same Spirit gives faith. To others, that one Spirit gives gifts of healing. To others, He gives the power to do miracles. To others, he gives the ability to prophesy. To others, he gives the ability to tell the spirits apart. And we might also refer to that as discernment of spirits. Mm -hmm. Or I've heard some people call it distinguishing of spirits. Distinguishing of spirits, exactly. Uh, and then it goes on to say, To others, he gives the ability to speak in different kinds of languages that they had not known before. And that's obviously referencing the gift of speaking in tongues, a heavenly language. Mm -hmm. And to still others, he gives the ability to explain or interpret what was said in those languages or tongues. And in verse 11, all the gifts 
are produced by one and the same spirit. He gives gifts to each person just as he decides. And then of course it goes into the section, which I love because my account on Instagram is the four, four about unity, mm-hmm. one body, many parts. And that's in verse 12. There is one body, but it has many parts. This is the body of Christ, the church, the global church, but all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit. And so we are formed into one body. It didn't matter whether we were Jew or Gentile, slaves or free people. We were all given the same spirit to drink. I love how it talks about drinking the spirit in, Mm. like refreshing almost. Mm -hmm. And then it concludes with, in verse 14, so the body is not made up of just one part. It has many parts. All right, so that's kind of like a, one of the central texts that talks about these spiritual gifts, these gifts of the Spirit. So kind of, um, you know, maybe like talk back to us now, like what what did we just read? Like what are some of the points that you want to pull out of that passage about the gifts of the Spirit? I think what stands out to me that's very important is that there's a picture of unity that runs throughout all of the kingdom because we know mm-hmm. that that goes to at the, at the core That is a representation of the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They have to be in union. They have to be in communion. And Mm -hmm. so when I read these passages out of Corinthians, what jumps out to me is that there is a picture of everything flowing from the source God, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about something that is absolutely foundational because these gifts that He distributes are coming from the Holy Spirit. And it is the same Holy Spirit that is distributing the gifts and giving them to all of us individually and uniquely. And I think that's very powerful, you know, because it can be easy to get caught up in some of this and have it become, you know, super difficult to understand. But the childlike truth about this passage is that it's a simple message. We Mm. serve God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are equal. They are powerful. They are the distributors, the givers of the gifts. And those gifts are good gifts that come from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Period. Bottom line. Yeah. These are not gifts that originate from me. They're not something that's coming from my own ability or my own kind of uh, inclinations, but they're, they're gifts that have been distributed to all of us by God. That's right. Amen. All right. So what are some other things then that you're kind of pulling out of here about spiritual gifts? Uh, You know, so as I look through this passage as well, it's such a reminder that we really do need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to live out the kingdom and advance the kingdom Mm -hmm. on earth. You know, if we know that God says that these are good gifts and God is a giver of good things, of good gifts, right? We know even in James 117, it says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, you know, coming down from our Father, the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And so to me, if we can confess based on this passage of scripture that these are good gifts, then we can align that with the fact that we need these gifts in order to be kingdom people who are bringing the kingdom in the world, not of the world, but in the world. And so I think there's purposefulness. When I read this passage, I see purpose and design behind everything God does. If he purposes to give us gifts, we need those gifts. Those Mm -hmm. gifts are important and they allow us not in our own strength, as you said, 
but in God's strength and his authority and power to have tools. These gifts are tools, Jay, to help us bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Mm, Yeah. And I like how it's, there was an emphasis in the passage where the gifts are given for the benefit of others. Right. Yes. So my, my, I, God didn't give me a spiritual gift for the benefit of me, but for the benefit of others. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that as well, because again, it's a picture of unity and building up the body that each mm-hmm. one of us, as we operate in these good gifts and we use these good tools, not only are we sharing Christ with those who are lost, but we're also edifying and we are helping the body to be encouraged and strengthened. Each one of us, exactly like you said. So, okay, so that kind of lays the foundation of kind of what the origin of these gifts are, what the purpose of these gifts are. Um, Now, he did mention some specific kinds of gifts. So I don't know if you wanted to kind of like maybe uh, pull out some of those for us, because he did actually get specific about certain types of gifts, right? Absolutely. So going back to that passage, you know, it is important to just say that um, we definitely want to make sure the listeners understand that we as Jesus people do not worship the gifts. We do not worship the gifts. We worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So I do want to I do want to make that very clear um, as I feel a great responsibility that we give Jesus all the honor and glory due his name in this conversation today. But yeah, you know, the, the gifts that are specifically mentioned in here are very interesting. And, you know, we're talking about gifts of prophecy, mm-hmm. gifts of word of knowledge, you know, gifts of healing and miracles, you know, speaking in tongues. You know, these are the main gifts that that are mentioned in this passage, you know, having the ability to distinguish or discern spirits, you know, knowing Mm -hmm. light from darkness, good from evil, testing the spirits. So, you know, these these are powerful gifts. I mean, these are gifts that only God could give us those type of insights um, to operate. Yeah. And so these gifts would be the ones who some might call them like kind of the more like charismatic gifts or some of the more miraculous types of gifts, right? So like, I guess in this passage, it doesn't really, because there are plenty of spiritual gifts that are not really that controversial, right? Like there's, exactly. there's <laughs> other spiritual gifts where nobody seems to have any problem right. of believing G- that Gift of helps, still... gift of helps. You never hear any controversy yeah. about yeah. that one. Gift of helps. Like what are some of the other gifts? Like, I guess yeah. I, I'm thinking like maybe in Ephesians, it talks about some spiritual gifts. I can't remember where else, maybe first Peter, I'm not sure. But what are some of the other spiritual gifts that scripture mentions that are like not really controversial. Yeah, that I love that we're talking about this. So, you know, I have one of those gifts. That's gift of encouragement. Mm, I don't yeah, think the gift of encouragement is ever a controversy. I think everybody wants to be encouraged. We all need encouragement. You know, gift of, of helps, uh, gift of hospitality, mm-hmm. um, you know, where people are able to, you know, open their home, their heart, you know, their funds um, in order to be gracious to other people. Um, that's not controversial. Um, you know, I think um, even the gift of boldness, I don't think boldness per se, which we know is actually boldness is the number one indicator of baptism in the Holy Spirit, Jay. And that's mm. important for listeners who might not know uh, the deeper uh, things of scripture to understand. We can talk about all these gifts and it's wonderful to have those gifts given to us by God. But for people that might be a little discouraged, am I baptized in the Holy Spirit? Let me tell you, the most uh, important distinguisher and indicator of baptism in the Holy Spirit for the born again, Christ confessing believer is boldness. 
And so boldness isn't really, I don't think, a controversial gift. I think most people in general, even if they don't agree with you, would say it's good to be somebody who can speak up for what is right or be bold. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mercy and grace, you know, those kind of gifts, you know, of having uh, compassion and empathy. You know, those are all gifts from God that are not controversial. So yeah. Also like teaching, leadership. Teaching, preaching, leadership. Yeah. <laughs> Administration. Like, so nobody's nobody's yeah. <laughs> arguing over those gifts, right? Like everybody feels like, yeah, those are spiritual gifts that are mentioned in scripture. Those are gifts that God gives to his people for, you know, the building up of the body and things like that. So it's it's mainly just these gifts like that are mentioned here in First Corinthians, right? Yes. These more miraculous type gifts. Uh, and, yes. you know, we'll kind of get into... You know, as we go, we'll we'll get a little bit more into sort of what some of the objections are or, you know, what some of the reasons are that some people believe these gifts have ceased. But I don't know, at least in like, let's say, First Corinthians, right, you know, within the context of this passage, do you see any indication there that that Paul was indicating, yeah, these gifts are just for right now, you know, gifts for this moment in, in history, <laughs> and I'm giving you instructions for them while they're here, but it's not going to be forever. Do you see anything like that in this passage? Yeah, you know, personally, I don't. I would not interpret the passage to indicate that this was a, you know, specific um, passage of scripture that only reflected, you know, biblical times in the early church. Um, Mm. I think that this is a much more broad statement. And I I actually would like to go back to scripture as we talk about that, because, um, you know, one of the things that we can do is we can look at different parts of scripture and see um, that there is a consistent theme. And um, one thing that I find very interesting with regard to that question about are these gifts really still for today? Um, Are they valid as they were then, now? And I would say scripture absolutely supports that. One of the passages that I love, Jay, is Acts chapter 2. And this is verses um, 17 through 21. And this is the prophecy uh, kind of scripture discussing the last days and this is Peter um, for context for those who are listening this is when Peter addresses the crowd um, in boldness um, and under the Holy Spirit's power and you know when we talk about the last days it's very important for people to realize that all of us have been in the last days including the disciples from the time that Jesus ascended and went and sat at the right hand of the Father and sent the Holy Spirit, the Great Comforter. So we are currently in 2022, we are still part of the last days and Mm. we will continue to be until Jesus comes again. So when scripture talks about verses that are depicting and giving instruction concerning the last days, that's for all of us. There is no separation between early church times and 2022. We are all part of the last days. So that is something that translates current, not just past tense. I hope that makes sense what I'm saying. Um, yeah, these definitely. verses. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I was just going to say that Like, I, I think what you just said there is is really good theology that from a biblical standpoint, and I don't think this is like a charismatic or non-charismatic type issue, but <laughs> from a biblical standpoint that really ever since the time that Jesus came from a biblical standpoint, we're in the end times. Absolutely. 
That is correct. That is biblically sound knowledge, Jay. And so these passages, I'm going to share these because I think they will really help people. Um, Peter is addressing the crowd and in Acts chapter 2, verses 17 through 21, this is what the word says. It says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, that's right now, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. This ties right back into those passages in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we're discussing. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In verse 18, even on my servants, both men and women. There's a word for all the women listening today. (laughs) The women are so important. And I know Jay preaches that as do I. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will, God says, pour out my spirit in those days, the last days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And it concludes with this, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So these passages are incredibly powerful because they paint a current modern day, last days picture of the spirit and some of these charismatic gifts continuing to be poured out upon the people of God for the advancement of the kingdom as we wait to usher in the second coming of Christ. What I think is interesting, it says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And to me, there's a connection there that even as it's referencing people coming into the knowledge of the greatest miracle of salvation, that that is preceded by the verses that are talking about the continual current day in 2022, Spirit, Holy Spirit pouring out many of these charismatic gifts that we referenced in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So there's a connection between those gifts being poured out through the Holy Spirit, those miraculous gifts, and salvation. Mm -hmm. That that is not an accident, that those two concepts are all within the same passage. Because once again, these gifts are tools to help edify the body of Christ, and number two, to bring the lost home to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I just think that's a neat point of connection, and I wanted to mention that. So this passage here in Acts is just another place in Scripture where it talks about these gifts and you know some of these more miraculous kinds of gifts of the Spirit being in operation in the last days, which you know from a biblical standpoint we are still in until the day of the Lord when Jesus comes back again. Absolutely. And not only are they still in operation, but they're an intimate part of the the spreading of the gospel of people coming uh, to know Jesus as as Lord and Savior. And so, at least from your view, and you know, I'm, I'm sure you probably have other passages that you could point to as well, but at least in your view, you don't see any indication in Scripture that, that these gifts or some of the gifts were intended to only be for like a, a, a short period of time, you know, during the time of the apostles and the early church and that they were supposed to cease at some point. That Yeah, that is correct, Jay. I... I... I am in agreement 
firmly um, from a biblical foundation with you on that. I believe that there is not mm-hmm. scripture that is supporting the fact that these gifts that we read about, the miraculous gifts, you know, um, in First Corinthians 12 have expired and are ceasing mm-hmm. to be um, poured out or effective in these current times. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, to be honest, like, I agree with you. Like, I, don't, I haven't seen anything in scripture that would indicate to me that these gifts are only for a short period of time. I mean, I have heard, I'll, I'll say one thing that I've heard somebody say, which yeah. honestly, I feel like is pretty weak. <laughs> it's pretty, <laughs> uh, at best, it's a weak exegesis of the passage. And at worst, it's maybe actually somewhat deceptive. But uh, right. later in First Corinthians in chapter 13, which is, you know, famous because it has the passage that talks about love. Love, yes. How love you know, is the greatest of all these things, greater than all the gifts. Yes. And, um, but, you know, in that passage, it talks about how right now we see in part and we know in part. Yes. But when the perfect comes, you know, these things will pass away or something like that. And the way that I've heard some people argue from that passage is that um, the perfect coming is scripture. And that when the canon of scripture was completed and closed, that we didn't need these partial knowings and these partial seeings anymore, that that's why the gifts like prophecy and things like that could sort of pass away because now we have the the perfect, which is scripture, which again, like I said, is I feel like pretty weak. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's I hard to make that. that case that that's what that passage means. I, I don't know. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, you know, I, I have heard that um, on occasion. And I, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that that is not the strongest um, argument that can stand on its two legs. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, what's interesting to me um, about all of scripture, again, if we look at not only the nature of Christ, who is our example in all things, but when we look at the fullness of scripture from Genesis through Revelation, you know, we see a continual picture of the fact that there needs to be what is truly existing, which is a balance of word, which is scripture and spirit, Mm -hmm. which is the Holy Spirit empowered church. You know, in my view, one of the problems with that argument is that it becomes an extremist point of view, Jay, because if you Mm -hmm. take the word and the spirit, again, here, we're going to talk about unity for people that are paying attention to this theme throughout our conversation, which is God's leading. Everything in the kingdom is about unification, not division. So if we get into a religious mindset and we become divisive in dividing word from spirit, and we break those two things apart that God knitted together that are for the good of the edification of his church and the salvation of those who are not in the knowledge of Christ yet, then we are actually operating in a divisive and demonic spirit because a spirit of division is a demonic spirit. It's not a spirit of unity. And throughout the word, we see this beautiful marriage you know, I'm a poet, so I like poetic words, but we see this beautiful marriage of word and spirit. They are knitted together. And if we break that apart, again, we are entering into a place of division. And that goes against, I would say that goes against good sound biblical theology because we need the word and we need the spirit. In Luke uh, chapter 24, verse 29, we are reminded of the importance of the Holy Spirit. So this passage says, I am going to send you, this is a famous passage, what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You know, this is what the believers were waiting for. 
They were waiting for the power from on high, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to come upon them before they were sent back out. This passage is saying, we need power from on high. Jesus told them, you need power from on high, wait for it. We are no different than them today in 2022. The church, the global body of Christ, we still need power from on high. Because without the power from on high, it goes back to pride and self. And that's religion, Jay. That's I'm able to operate in the kingdom out of my own strength, my own striving, my own intellect. And we know that that pharisaical mindset leads to death, not life. And so I would argue that, again, taking it back to the fundamentals of scripture, we need this beautiful marriage of word and spirit. And there is no division between the two throughout scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there is not one generation, not past, not present, not to come, that can live out faith in their own power. That is anti the gospel. The gospel is all about his power made perfect in our weakness. And so if we get into a religious mindset that says, I can live out my faith in my own strength, then we are actually denying the power of the gospel. And to bring that back around, I would say that that what I would argue against this argument is that if we divide word and spirit, whether it's one extreme or the other, we have the extreme of all word and no spirit, which is legalism Mm -hmm. and is a dangerous form of religion that causes all kinds of pain and turmoil and darkness and death. On the other extreme, we have emphasis on the Holy Spirit without the truth of the word. And that becomes Mm -hmm. almost like new age. You know, all of these things and the Mm -hmm. power manifested without the boundaries of truth to hem it in. And in either of those extremes, Jay, what you have is a denial of the power of the gospel. Those two extremes equally in their own right and in their own way, deny the full power of the gospel. And that is not Mm -hmm. a place we want to be. So in order to stay in the power of the gospel, which is not us doing our faith by our strength, we need the word and we need the spirit and we need to allow those two things to stay married. And we need to, we need to be part of that in our own personal walks of faith. And we need to acknowledge that, accept that and live out of that place. So that is how I would address that particular argument from a biblical standpoint. Mm, That's good. That's so good. I mean, that's way better than my, yeah, this is just terrible interpretation. (laughs) (laughs) That, that, That was the way that I was dealing with it, but your answer is much better. And so I want to kind of move beyond the theory now, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, let's do it. you know, this is the part where I feel like, you know, okay, maybe a lot of our listeners have heard a lot of those things already, but sure. what I really wanted to get into is to get into the experience, you know, because like I said, I'm, I'm not a person who walks in any of these gifts, even though I believe that they're still in operation because I just don't see any reason from scripture to believe that they're not in operation, Amen. but just... For whatever reason, I've never experienced any of these things. I've never really been in environments where other people were practicing yeah. or experiencing these things. Yeah. We're going to say yet, Jay. Pers- we're going to say you haven't experienced it yet. We're going to speak maybe. in faith. <laughs> maybe. Maybe if something will happen while we're doing this. I, it I don't could. know. But for whatever reason, I have not really seen these things or experienced them. But you right. are a person who you do uh, walk in some of these gifts. And so if you wouldn't mind sharing just like, what are some of the kind of more charismatic, uh, miraculous type gifts that you practice or have experienced uh, personally? 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. And, and I'm happy and glad to share because it's all by the grace of God um, and for his glory, not so that I would boast. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, some things that I've moved in over the years, um, even looking back, probably from the time I was quite young, some of these things, um, you know, is prophecy. Um, you know, the Lord has has always spoken to me pretty clearly in that way at different times. Um, not all mm-hmm. the time, because it's by his spirit, you know, not by my giftedness. Um, but, you know, prophecy, I mean, having a very strong sense of an impression or even just a, as maybe even I would say like a detailed encouragement to give to another person. I'm of the firm belief that I think that the gift of encouragement actually mingles very well with gift of prophecy because prophecy, um, as we know, again, taking it back to scripture is really, you know, people communicating the voice of God and God is the greatest encourager. God's voice is a voice of encouragement and love and grace. You know, we know that Mm -hmm. from the story of Jesus and the New Testament. And so I think prophecy and encouragement go together. So it makes sense to me that I have moved in prophecy over the years by God's grace because I Mm -hmm. am an encourager. And that is, uh, you know, having prophecy and being able to encourage people in specific detailed ways um, is a great way to utilize and apply the gift of encouragement. So, yeah, you know, the Lord over the years has given me... um, at times that I would almost describe it like a download where it just is in my heart so strong or in my mind. And Mm -hmm. it will be something of encouragement. Um, Maybe God will show me like a season that that believer or that person, it could be a non-believer. I've had both, (laughs) you know, where God's Mm -hmm. given me prophecy for uh, fellow, you know, believers in Jesus and also for non-believers, right? Because Mm -hmm. what, what, what a better way for somebody to encounter God who doesn't know God than to have a person yeah. tell you something that you didn't know and that that person couldn't possibly know if it weren't for God. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. It's hard so to the, argue against that. That's right. Exactly. That's a pretty hard thing to argue because it's supernatural, which is the whole point. Um, but yeah, you know, the Lord has given me that. And, and you know, in practical terms, that just looks like maybe um, it's a little different than word of knowledge, but word of knowledge and prophecy also go hand in hand. I want to say that for anybody who needs to kind of understand how these tools relate because many of them relate and overlap. Um, Um, but just kind of a strong sensing of maybe like a particular season that that person is in. And and I, and I would say to them, you know what? I feel like that's usually when I would get a word, how, how I would speak it. I would say, I feel like, cause it comes on like a feeling or a download. I feel like I see that God says you're in this season of your life and he's going to do X, Y, Z, and maybe in this time frame, And it looks like this. And um, this is how it might play out. That's kind of a scenario that I've had when I, I get a, mm. a you know a word of prophecy of encouragement through prophecy yeah. for a person. Um, and actually, uh, Christine, if if I could just kind of break in, like, I mean, obviously you don't have to divulge any like any person's identity <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> We're you know, not going to out anybody on the on yeah, the yeah don't air anybody's laundry on the podcast. <laughs> exactly, but, like. Could you like maybe as you're describing this gift, like if there is a specific example that you've like experienced, like 
with as much detail as like yeah. as reasonable to give, you know. Yeah. Um, like, could you maybe like share like kind of a specific example of what was the message that you received, or you know, what did you see, that, and what did you share with the person? How did that person receive it? That kind of thing. Sure, absolutely. I'm happy to do that. Um, and you know, I'm actually what I'm going to do is because prophecy and word of knowledge overlap and I have moved in both over the years by God's grace. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give that example um, because there's one that actually comes to my mind that I still to this day just was it was the most joyous thing to experience. And again, word of knowledge for people to understand, you know, it's not something that's deeply technical. It just means literally that you might get a personal word about a person that you would never know unless God told it to you. And it Mm -hmm. makes complete sense to that person. So the example that I would give one time when I was um, at a doctor appointment, um, it was actually in a really rough season of my life where I was going through some kind of health concerns and things and I didn't wanna be at the doctor, but I tried to remind myself to be encouraged in the Lord and sometimes for me it helps if I have to go do something I don't wanna do to focus on what is God doing in that situation that's greater than me. So I, I went into the building and I was in the waiting room area with many, many other discouraged people who were also struggling with health things and other unpleasantries. And mm-hmm. we were near the pharmacy and there was a man who was sitting and waiting for his prescription. And I remember just telling God, you know what, Lord, I hate being here today, but I would love it if you had encouragement for somebody in this room that you would share it with me and I could share it with them. And not too long after I kind of had that conversation with God in my heart, suddenly, again, it came on like a download, supernatural. The Lord told me some very specific things about this gentleman. The Lord told me what he did for a living. This is a complete stranger, Jay. This is somebody that we're in a waiting room together that I've never seen him. He's never seen me. He doesn't even know that I'm Uh about to talk to him, right? (laughs) Yeah. So God tells me in my heart, I hear it in my heart or in my head, just to make this very simple and unmystical for people. It comes on the way that you would have a thought come into your head. Um, Mm -hmm. So I felt like I knew what he did for a living. I felt like I knew that God was telling me that he had been in a very rough season of discouragement that looked like there was never going to be a breakthrough but that God was telling me to tell him that his breakthrough was on the way, specifically concerning his job situation and his finances. Um, And the Lord told me his name, if you can believe Mm. that. I had this (laughs) name come into my head. And it's always a little bit of a tension when you get these things from God, because you know, if, if you tell the person and you're completely off and you miss it, yeah. It can feel embarrassing or you can even feel like, well, maybe I don't have these gifts and maybe God's not talking <laughs> to me. But at the same yeah. time, we have to press it in faith because the way that you get more confident in giving a word of knowledge or moving in prophecy is to do it and use it. And part of that is, you know, the ebb and flow of sometimes you're going to miss it. But when you hit it, it is amazing because God gets all the glory and people are absolutely radically encountered by Jesus. And the more mm-hmm. that you do that, the more that you get comfortable with how those nudges come. I feel like somebody needs to hear this, so I want to explain this and I'm going to get back to the example. It's important mm-hmm. for people to know that as you operate in those gifts or you press in, if, if you're somebody who moves in that stuff, you know, there will be moments of doubt where you think, God, is that really your voice or is that just my voice in my head? But as you step yeah. out into that in faith and test it, what you will find is that more often than not, you will see that God was talking to you. And as you become more encouraged, as more and more of those examples happen, 
you learn to tune into his whispers even more and you get even more confident in what you're hearing from him. And this is no different than a relationship with God in prayer or in the word where the, we become more confident as we actually enter into it and we mm-hmm. hear his voice. The more we hear his voice, the more we recognize his voice, right? Yeah. So, you know. So there's kind of a, a learning curve to it. Yeah. I th- well, I think there's a little bit of a learning curve in the sense that we have to give ourselves grace to realize that the more that we press into those things and the more that we the more that we experience the supernatural working of God, the easier it is to recognize it and hear it. Um, mm. You know, part of part of hearing God's voice is being excited to know what he has to say. And that mm-hmm. requires being with him in all of our moments, you know, not just in a quiet time, but just out and about or in our home, what we're doing, we're meditating on him. We're thinking about him. We're talking about him and we're aware. We are ever aware of his little whispers and his little nudges. You know, that's to me, one of the most exciting aspects of a relationship with God is learning to value his presence and hear his voice and tune into those little whispers so that he can constantly be doing things in our lives that are far greater than us and what we're going through. Mm. So going back yeah. to the medical office story. Okay, yeah, everybody's waiting to hear the rest of waiting. this story. It's a cliffhanger. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm a storyteller, Jay, so this is what I do. No, <laughs> <laughs> no it's okay. Um, so I'm, I'm there and I get these impressions, these very specific, very clear impressions from God. And I'm very certain and excited at this point that it's God. How do I know that? Well, one of the things that I've come to find is that when God talks to me about things, it's often not something that I was focused on or overthinking. It just comes out of nowhere, kind of almost non sequitur. And that's how that information came to me. And I knew that I had prayed to God about it too and had asked him for encouragement for somebody, but it also just kind of came very quickly and it came without me overthinking it. And that's oftentimes how I'll know, you know what? I bet that's God's voice because that wasn't on my mind or my radar, but suddenly it's in my heart or my head. So I approach this man and I say, excuse me, And I say, you know, I just feel like I I want to encourage you. And I feel like as I was talking to God today, he started talking to me about you. And I said, you know, is your name such and such? And he said, his eyes, you know, got like saucers. And he's like, yes, that's my name. And I'm like, well, that's incredible. God told me your name. And then I said, you know, are you a, I think he was like a coach of some kind. This is a few years ago, Mm -hmm. but it was like, I said, are you a coach? Like, do you coach? little league or soccer you work with youth and he was like oh my gosh yes that's what i do for a living Mm -hmm. and i just said you know what i i you know the lord showed me that you were in a really really difficult season where you felt discouraged and like you weren't going to have a breakthrough something had happened with your job and i feel like the lord just wants you to know that he sees you he loves you and he has another job for you on the way and it's in relation to what you have been doing and what you love to do that you're passionate about. And I feel like I told him, I feel like God says there's going to be a door that opens for that for you very soon. And Mm. he was just, he, he was in tears by the end of it because he knew that only God could have known those things. I'm a stranger. And I was Mm -hmm. in tears by the end of it too. Just so grateful for God's presence at the medical office that neither of us wanted to be there, but here's God (laughs) in the midst of it you know, doing what only God can do. And so, you know, once I released that word to him, you know, I just prayed and I asked Jesus to do exactly what I felt Jesus said he was going to do. And and the man was so grateful to have that prayer, Um, you know, and, and it was, it was a powerful, it was a powerful, powerful experience for both him and me. Um, Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, praise God. I mean, all it's all Jesus, you know, it's all the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But but that would have so been an now, example of kind of prophecy and word of knowledge is kind of how yeah. I would put it. Just out of curiosity, did you guys like exchange information or anything like that or it's just like well anyway <laughs> see you later <laughs> you know i actually jay when i get off this uh this podcast interview with you i'm actually gonna call him no i'm just kidding <laughs> um no you know we we didn't see if i was in that situation i think maybe because i am you know more of a skeptical person i would probably still even be doubting it even though you know he i mean even though the lord told you his yeah. names and his job yeah, yeah even me i'd be like hey so you want to exchange emails like yeah, <laughs> i'd probably yeah, email yeah. him like hey by the way uh did uh did that door open yeah, <laughs> you're anyway. like hey what's uh what's the status uh-huh. yeah and you know what i love that you're honest oj because i think a lot of people listening can relate to doubt and i have doubts too we all do and i think one of the greatest things about jesus is that we're not disqualified from moving in spiritual gifts because we have doubts i think mm-hmm. that doubt is an honest part of our walk in all of this and i think that as we take that to jesus that he meets us in that place and he himself can actually begin to break down those walls of doubt and begin to help us to enter in by more faith but it's never about not acknowledging the doubt or acting like we don't yeah. have it because the reality is we're humans and supernatural is supernatural. It's hard to wrap our minds around. So I just want to encourage you in that and anybody listening that it's okay. It's okay that we have our doubts. God can handle it and he can still yeah, allow but, us to move in spiritual gifts. Like there's always still, even for you, even though you've kind of walked in these things for a while and got, gotten better at recognizing when the Lord is speaking to you, there's still yeah. always that element of, of risk Absolutely. when you actually speak it out. Now, just out of curiosity, you kind of mentioned it as you were telling the story, and, I, and, yeah. I, and I won't keep stopping you, and I'll let you talk about some of these other gifts too, but I'm just kind of curious, like, so that was an example where you, you felt like you heard from the Lord, yeah. and it, it was the Lord. Have there been instances where you 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 felt like you were getting something from the Lord and you gave it to them and actually it was like oh that wasn't yeah. right or that wasn't God? Uh, I'm curious to to hear about that. Yeah, for sure. And and in all transparency, yes, let's talk about it. You know, this is this is real. Um, because mm-hmm. as you said, going back to Scripture, we know that on this side of heaven, we we know in part, we see in part, we prophesy in part, we hear in part. So there's always that part of that part that is a reality you know sometimes (laughs) it's going to be spot on sometimes it's not and you know what jay that keeps us humble doesn't it Mm. keeps us humble which is the position and the posture that we're supposed to be in before almighty god humble in all of these gifts but yeah you know there's been times where especially with maybe like a, a word say a word of knowledge or prophecy concerning maybe a physical thing somebody's going through like healing because that was something that i would often enjoy doing Um, back in the day more before COVID hit where I'd be out and about and I would just sometimes uh, be very passionate to pray for people if I thought that you know I would ask God like do they have something that they might need prayer for do they have an injury do they have a sickness and I would feel like maybe God would nudge me like oh you know pray for them for their thyroid or pray for them for their you know their leg or pray for their back and so I would do that sometimes, you know, because I enjoyed that. Again, you know, gifts that he's given me. But um, there were times where, yeah, I would go up to the person and say, hey, I, you know, I'm talking to Jesus. I'm a believer in Jesus. And I feel like he told me that you have XYZ medical condition or or this part of your body needs prayer. And then I would ask them, does this make sense to you? And they would say, mm-hmm. not really. <laughs> or no and and so you know you just say okay no no problem you know you just toss it out and you go on and you you keep Mm -hmm. listening to god because sometimes it does hit and then it's exciting when it does because you get to pray for that person from a place of you know really knowing that heaven's backing it up because god revealed it 
I see. So it, it doesn't really, it's not a hindrance to you that sometimes you feel like you get this impression, but it turns out to be wrong, maybe because you've, you've experienced enough times where it really was the Lord and it was kind of in an undeniable way where it's like, okay, it's not like I'm just, you know, it's not like I'm just throwing rocks yeah. and, and seeing what's Missing sticks, it every I, time. I, I, yeah. <laughs> you, you've seen enough where the only explanation is the Lord that you, you can kind of sort of just throw away these ones where it's like, oops, that wasn't the right. Exactly. <laughs> the right exactly. Because again, going back to scripture, we know that we're not always going to hit it and we're not supposed to. And it keeps mm-hmm. us humble. And I mean, sure, it's embarrassing. I mean, I'm not, I'm human. I mean, when, when somebody says, no, that doesn't make sense at all. You kind of just smile and go, well, that was awkward. <laughs> moving on but at the same Uh time though i think those of us that are very passionate about jesus and evangelism and his kingdom you know even having those little misses isn't going to stop us because our heart is on fire to help people encounter him and so Uh surely you know just like anything in our race of faith we can't let we can't let anything stop us we have to be willing to just dust off get back up eh, look a little embarrassed and move forward you know because love still wins and the kingdom is still, you know, needing to advance. So I think it's just, (laughs) it's just having perspective and realizing that it's okay. It's okay if it doesn't work out. And you know what, at the end of the day, I think the important thing is that even if that person, it didn't make sense to them and maybe, you know, it was a miss, so to speak on a word of knowledge or prophecy. The important thing is that at the end of the day though, that person knows that somebody, a stranger cared enough about them to approach them and ask if they were doing all right. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know what, there's still fruit in that. There's still good fruit in letting other human beings know that they're valuable and taking the time to just check in on them. Um, Mm -hmm. I've never had anybody, by the way, when I've missed it, laugh in my face or say, you're crazy or say, you know, Mm -hmm. don't talk to me. Usually they'll just say, but you know what, thank you so much for caring or thank Mm. you so much for asking. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that's even led to an opportunity to just simply say to the person, well, that's okay if that doesn't make sense, but is there anything else I can pray for you for? Yeah. And then they're very- Do it the old fashioned way and just ask them. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And that can, again, that's good fruit. That can open up a door to just say a prayer for somebody. We know there's power in prayer. So Mm -hmm. you know what? Rose colored glasses, Jay, at the end of the day, um, (laughs) redemption is always at work in these situations if we're truly, you know, serving Jesus and loving him and- it's all good. And, you know, let me just, I'll tell a quick story here. I know I know that right now we're talking about prophecy and word of knowledge. Yeah. But this kind of relates, but uh, one of my former students, so this was a guy who kind of grew up through uh, our youth ministry as a high schooler. And nice. Then, you know, he became a believer. And then, uh, you know, he eventually went to a uh, discipleship training school for YWAM. Oh. And um, really, yeah, just really became on fire for the Lord. And, you know, the Lord opened up, you know, these kind of like more charismatic type gifts in him. And so anyway, flash forward a few years, you know, he's in town and we're playing in a a basketball league together. Because we love playing basketball. And I love it. It's funny. So so there was this one week where we're playing and one of the guys on the other team, he injured his ankle during the game. And so after the game was over, this former student of mine, he went up to the guy. He's like, hey, you know, um, you know, is it okay if I pray for your ankle? Nice. And I was like, sure. And he prayed for him. And I wasn't there. I had already left. So you can see the difference in our two hearts. Like I was already on my way to to (laughs) get dinner. (laughs) But he and another one of my students were there. And um, he prayed for the guy's ankle. And he was like, you know, how does it feel? And the guy was like, 
yeah, it feels it feels better. Like wow. he felt like something Hallelujah. had happened, right? Yeah, praise the Lord. I love now, it. But okay, so here's the interesting thing. <laughs> the next week, we're playing in the same basketball league, different game. Okay. And a guy on the other, a different guy, like a different team, but a guy on the other team, he got hurt. And oh. so same thing, this guy, after the game was over, my, my former student, he went up to him and he I asked him, it. hey, is it okay? Is it okay if I pray for you? And he said, sure. And he prayed for him. He was like, hey, how does it feel? Does it feel any better? And yeah. he's like, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it just reminded me of your st- of what you just shared. Like that story to me is just always encapsulates the mystery of this. Like it is a mystery. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to explain why. In one case, the Lord clearly seemed to do something miraculous. Exactly. And in the in the next week, same person, almost exactly the same <laughs> scenario, and it didn't happen, right? And so, but I mean, hey, just because the second time nothing happened, it's hard to deny that the first time exactly you know, it doesn't take away the power of what happened the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and so. I think too, again, it does keep us humble because if if every single time that we prayed over somebody for healing or got a word or did something, if it happened every single time, again, if that would kind of be boastful, prideful, like, hey, I've got the power with my gift. Mm. You know, even if we say it's a gift, it's still kind of like if it hits every single time, it's like that becomes kind of about me and my gift mm. and the power is in my gift rather than the power being in God because God's sovereign. So in, in the distribution and the operation of these gifts, we don't ever want to take away his sovereignty in the matter. It's not our power that's healing somebody. It's not our word of knowledge that we're getting out of our own strength and our own giftedness. It's all the Holy Spirit. So absolutely, there's going to be times where it is a mystery because God is mysterious and it's his sovereignty at work. He's the distributor of the gifts. He's the giver of the gifts. He's the one that decides how the gifts um, are operating and when they're going to operate and when it's going to hit and when it's not going to hit because his ways are higher and his ways are better. And it's never our job to worry about the outcome. I would say, Jay, for people listening, it's not our job to worry about whether the ankle's gonna get healed or not. Our job is to be Mm. obedient servants of Jesus Christ that if we feel nudged by the Holy Spirit to reach out to somebody, that we stand in the gap and we do what God tells us to do and we let him be the determiner of the outcome as only he can and as only he should. Now, something that you told me previously was that uh, you have the gift of tongues and and speaking in tongues. And I've always been really, really curious about that gift in particular. I mean, just because it just seems so mysterious to me. Now, you had mentioned to me before that you actually didn't receive that gift until much later in life. Like it's not something that you've been walking in since you were a little kid. So I'm just kind of curious if you wouldn't mind kind of telling us like how did you come to have that gift. Correct. Yeah, that is correct, Jay. I have not always um, spoken in tongues. So it it was something that God gave me that gift um, in my adult years. Um, even as recently as, I, like I would say, I started speaking in tongues. I don't even think it's been seven years now. I think it's been maybe like five years. So for maybe like mm. the last five years. But um, mm-hmm. for me, I always really desired that gift. It would, you know, again, being an encourager and somebody who often will feel very compelled um, and passionate to intercess or pray for people. 
Mm-hmm. I was really, I was really hungry for that. And I, I began to really tell God that, like have that conversation with God, like go to the source, right? I was like, you mm-hmm. know what, God, I really desire to be able to have a prayer language that is supernatural, to be able to use it in praying for other people, use it in my private time talking to you. Um, perhaps even use it as a weapon of warfare because there are times where when I'm speaking in tongues, I feel like it sounds a little different and I just sense that it is like I am warring in the spirit and it's not Hmm. peaceful, it's war Um, versus crying out in intercession or supplication. Um, It's just kind of a feeling is the way I would describe it. But going back to that, so as I began to really wrestle with God about that and tell him how much I wanted that gift, you know, obviously I was in some church circles where there was, you know, the those churches welcomed and you know appreciated the charismatic gifts and other people that in prayer ministry that would speak in tongues and things like that. And so I just began to avail myself of prayer. I would go up and ask people who spoke in tongues to lay hands on me and pray for me. Not that that's magic. And I didn't end up getting it that way, by the way. I didn't get tongues mm-hmm. because somebody laid hands on me who spoke in tongues and prayed for me, although some people do. But okay. I just began to avail myself of being what I would call exposed to and in the flow of the spirit, if that makes sense, because I do believe that there's something to be said for where the Holy Spirit is welcome and these gifts are in operation. I think sometimes some things are caught more than taught. Again, going back to Mm. the childlike nature of the kingdom, where sometimes just being in the presence of God, being where the Holy Spirit's moving, you can kind of catch, so to speak, some of those things. Uh, Versus being, for example, in an environment where, you know, there might be some believers that are vehemently opposed to the Holy Spirit and the operation of the gifts, well, that's not where you're going to go if you want to receive those gifts because, (laughs) you know, God is a gentleman. So is the Holy Spirit. Where God or the Holy Spirit is not welcome, you don't have to worry that you're going to get something you don't want because guess what? God and the Holy Spirit aren't going to break down the door and show up. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) I I mean, God could. And we all know that God, you know, stories about people that have been touched by God who weren't even looking for God and weren't crying out to Mm -hmm. him. But on a broader level, what I'm talking about is that in general, where the Holy Spirit is not welcome, you don't have to worry about these gifts being poured out because the Holy Spirit's not welcome. And God Mm -hmm. is not one. He gives us free will. He's not going to force something on us. Neither is the Holy Spirit. So for me, I I felt like as I was pressing into this gift and wanting to ask God for it, that it was a good thing to be around others who prayed in tongues and gifts were flowing. And so I availed myself of prayer. I had people lay hands on me, as I said, and pray for me to get the gift of tongues. And I did that for months. I did that for a couple of years, actually. And Mm -hmm. nothing happened. I mean... I'm still blessed by those prayers, obviously, because you, you know, I don't know what those people were praying when they were praying over me in tongues, but I trust that, you know, God was using mm-hmm. it. But I just continued to ask God. I was just really hungry for it. And what ended up happening is, um, you know, in the neighborhood that my family and I used to live in, we would do a lot of prayer walking the neighborhood. Sometimes I would just go out and walk and, you know, talk to Jesus and worship and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so as I was on those walks, I, I just really began to feel like that God was encouraging me to not worry about feeling or looking foolish and to just sort of start babbling a little bit, like just Mm -hmm. making kind of (laughs) some sounds and noises as I was kind of just praying my regular prayers in English. Mm -hmm. And again, this was truly a nudging from God. This wasn't some weird thing where I was just like losing my mind. I really felt the Lord kind of almost like challenging me softly, like, you know what, Christine? I want to give you this gift, but I just need you to trust me and be childlike. And I just want you to press into it. Like just kind of start talking 
and see if something mm-hmm. happens. And so I was doing that. I was walking around the neighborhood, kind of just going like, Jesus, I love you. And it wasn't tongues. But again, I felt the Lord really challenging me to press in and trust him in that vulnerable place and do that. And so I did that, Jay, for weeks and months, just out walking and talking to Jesus. And as time went on, it was like this progression for me, my personal testimony with tongues as an adult. It was this progression where one thing kind of led to another. And I sort of started feeling like the babbling was getting a little bit more like it was coalescing, if that makes sense. But it still wasn't fully tongues. But then one day, as I was out walking, I'll never forget it. It was nighttime. It was dark out. One of my favorite times to be out and to walk because I'm a night owl and a creative. And (laughs) suddenly, I realized that as I was doing that, I was not making noises and I was not babbling. And boom, the Holy Spirit loosed my tongue and I was full on praying in tongues. And it just came on all of a sudden. And I was so excited. (laughs) I wanted to run and scream through the neighborhood, but I didn't. Um, but I started thanking Jesus and praising Jesus. And, and at first I was almost scared, like, oh my gosh, is this real? Is it going to go away? But then I realized that as I was out, just continue, like I was full on praying in tongues and I was able to just do it. Um, and so that's how it happened for me now. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And to contrast that for others, again, I think it's important that we all have our own individual testimonies about how we even get some of these gifts, because again, if it becomes too formulaic, or methodical, Mm -hmm. like you do this, you jump through this hoop, that or the other, that could become religion. Where it's like, if Mm -hmm. I just go through the right steps, again, removing God's sovereignty in the distribution and the timing of it, right? Because his ways are higher, his ways are better. Why did I not have tongues when I was younger? I'll never know till heaven. I'll probably ask God for sure. But (laughs) he knew, he knew when I needed to get it. And I even believe that the personal testimony he gave me and how I got tongues is encouraging to other people. Because it wasn't yeah. a formula. I didn't just get go prayed for by somebody who spoke in tongues and boom, I spoke in tongues. God had a very yeah. unique and individual way that he blessed me with that gift. And I think everybody listening needs to really rest in the fact that God does want to give you good things. The Bible definitely encourages us to desire the greater gifts. That is scripture. And we know that those greater gifts that were being spoken about involved a lot of the charismatic gifts, prophecy, word of knowledge, tongues. So there's nothing wrong with desiring those things, but trust that God in his own time, in his own way, is working that out in your journey. And if he intends to give Mm -hmm. it to you, there's nothing that'll stop it as long as you just continue to trust him and press in. And if he doesn't, Mm -hmm. that's okay too, because again, his sovereignty, he's the distributor and everybody is distributed different gifts. We know that going back to 1 Corinthians 12. So as long as we are content to to use the gifts he gives us, and desire the greater gifts and press in and trust that if he wants to give us more, he will. That's what's most important. I want to make that very clear to anybody listening. That is what is most important. Um, mm-hmm. People that speak in tongues are not more holy or more anointed or more important than anybody else in the body of Christ. We know, again, going back mm-hmm. to scripture, that every gift is given by God. Every gift is purposeful. It is um, specifically for use. Um, and none of the gifts are greater than than you know the others, that they all work together to edify the body and to glorify Jesus and to bring people into the kingdom. But again, when they say greater gifts in the Bible, that's not saying, oh, those people are more important. It's just saying these are powerful gifts. These are gifts that have great impact. So desire them and go after them with God. Mm-hmm. So I, I just a couple of things I wanted to stop and mention in your story, because, yeah, it's really interesting because I think maybe sort of anecdotally, when I hear stories of other people of like maybe how they got their gift 
of tongues. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it was like they were in a church service and right. yeah, maybe somebody laid their hands on and right. prayed for them and they started speaking in tongues or And a- and actually Jay, if I could interrupt you just for one moment, I do want to contrast my experience with my husband's experience of getting tongues. Mm-hmm. Um because sure. his experience was the quintessential hands laid on him and he began speaking in tongues when he was 16 years old. He was a brand new baby believer in Jesus, barely knew the word, didn't even really understand theologically about tongues. And we were at a youth meeting where a woman who was kind of a prophetess is how I would describe her, was invited in to minister to the young people. And she, God highlighted my husband to her. She called him out of the crowd with a a few others that night brought him up to the front. She spoke words over him, which by the way, ended up coming to pass 20 years later in our lives that we had hung on to that. And it was a word from the Lord. And as she began to pray over him in tongues and she laid her hands on his head, he just immediately, my husband at 16 years old, knew nothing. Like I said, did not have a big scriptural foundation, was a brand new believer in Christ, didn't understand tongues. Boom. He begins speaking in tongues and he's had it ever since. Here's me, the pastor's kid. And I'm at the meeting and I'm like, (laughs) wait a minute. <laughs> you know, again, I didn't get it until I was in my adult years, just five years, like five, six years ago. So again, mm-hmm. the contrast of my husband's experience where somebody laid hands on him, he's young, he doesn't even understand these things, but the Holy Spirit immediately just touches him and he begins to speak in tongues and he has ever since versus me having to really wrestle and press in and ask God and kind of walk through that journey with God. So we all have our own unique testimonies, but they're all equally powerful because it's his power at work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and thanks for sharing that because, yeah, it is interesting to sort of see that contrast and how, yeah, maybe it doesn't always happen the same way. But exactly. some, some things that I kind of picked up on from your experience that I I find interesting, just kind of, I, you know, I, I'm sort of listening as sort of like a an objective observer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm trying try not to be too much of a, a scientist <laughs> or, or investigator about it, but I'm just kind of sort of listening as an ob- objective observer. And so, you know, a couple of things that I picked up about your story that I think are interesting is like, yeah, like you said, it didn't happen for you in in the midst of a service or something mm-hmm. like that, which is, you know, because I, I think some people who maybe raise objections about, you know, the gift of tongues, right. like one of the things that they sometimes suggest is that, oh, well, you know, it could just be that they are getting caught up in a moment, like sort of that group right. dynamic, that group think and things right. like that. And so, you know, clearly that didn't happen for you. That no. was not the case. In fact, you nope. highly desired it and you yeah. tried for months in in these contexts to have people pray for you for to have it happen in those contexts and it didn't happen. So one that tells me, okay, it's not just an ecstatic, you know, some sort of like weird group dynamic thing. Amen. Two, that also kind of leads me to believe that you're not a person who's likely to fake it because exactly. if you were going to fake it, you would have done it I in one of those it Because I really wanted services, it, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. the other thing that I that kind of picked up that I think is interesting about your your experience is that, yeah, you you, you admittedly started out just babbling. And, yeah. <laughs> and you knew that it wasn't tongues. <laughs> like you, yeah, for months you were doing it, it and you knew. It, yeah. Yeah, you knew, like, I'm not saying anything. I'm just babbling. Like, you know, this is not tongues. But at some point, you were somehow able to discern when it did really truly become tongues as opposed to I'm just doing it myself, which is, I think, the other thing that a lot of times people would say is like, well, maybe what these people are calling the gift of tongues is Mm -hmm. just them babbling. Like, they're just babbling. and Right. You know, they're they're just assuming that it's some sort of language, but really they're just babbling right, to right. themselves, you know. Yeah. But for you, it sounds like you you could definitely tell when it shifted. Yes. 
very clearly. I mean, because I knew it was nothing that I was affecting. It was effortless and it just was, everything was just rolling. And I knew, I mean, it just, I just mm-hmm. knew that it was, it was tongues and it was heavenly and supernatural. Okay. Yeah. So if it's okay with you, so like, I mean, the like I said, the gift of tongues is something that I have a lot of questions about. Absolutely. And, you know, I've never really had a chance to ask somebody who does, you know, have the gift of tongues, like some of these like very specific kinds <laughs> yeah. of questions. So if you wouldn't mind, almost like kind of rapid fire, if you wouldn't mind me kind of, I mean, not rapid fire, like you can give more than one word answers, but just, <laughs> I just have like a bunch of questions that are, I'm, I'm just curious about like what this gift looks like yeah. in everyday practice. So if it's okay, if you wouldn't mind, can I ask you some of those questions? Absolutely, Jay, my sleeves are rolled up. Let's do this for Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, let me let me just kind of roll off some of these questions <laughs> and you can just kind okay. of answer them however you feel. <laughs> so I mean, the first question that I have about it is, um, are you able to speak in tongues on demand or is it just something that sort of kind of spontaneously comes upon you? Yeah, no, I can do it on demand. And and what's interesting, Jay, is I actually had that same question for my husband because he spoke in tongues for so many years before I did and had it from mm-hmm. such a young age at 16 years old. And so I would ask him that. I'd say, hey, when you pray in tongues, are you just able to kind of go into it? Or is it just something that comes on spontaneously? So I understand your question. And now that I mm-hmm. speak in tongues, the answer is yes, I can absolutely just begin to speak in tongues anytime that I want to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then kind of going off sorry these questions all kind of build on each other I guess so kind of going off of that since you can pray in tongues pretty much anytime you want to like do you just pray in tongues now or like like you know I mean like how do you how do you decide when to pray in English and when to pray in tongues or is it pretty much you only pray in tongues when you're praying by yourself or I'm kind of curious about that no you know what I'm very I'm very Holy Spirit led which is I think how we should be with any of our gifts I think it's all about Jesus always did what the father was doing and we are called to emulate Jesus and so we're called to do what the father's doing and again going back to the fact that any of the gifts including gift of tongues are not for show it's not for mm. a spectacle. It's not so that we can feel that we're powerful and we have all of this, you know, again, self-pride power. It's it's all about being led by the Holy Spirit. There's times where I just feel in my spirit in the same way a download or a word of prophecy would come on or worship. My worship in my spirit would be uncontainable, right? We all know what this feels like as believers. When God is really impressing something on us, it's the same way with speaking in tongues for me. Um, there's not a formula. There's not a method. I don't do it all the time. I don't not do it. I'm led by the spirit. So there's times mm-hmm. where I very strongly feel led by the spirit in personal prayer time to just start speaking in tongues. And if, if God prompts me to, I absolutely do. Same with praying for others mm-hmm. or in public. There's been times where God has really prompted me and put it on me strongly to just use that language he gave me and pray out loud. And I have done that in obedience to Jesus, trusting that he must have some ramification of purpose for it, or he wouldn't ask me to use it. Um, on a few of those instances, it was in times where I felt there was like warfare, like spiritual warfare, darkness going on. And I felt like as a person who carried the light, he gave me that language and I needed to release heaven into the situation quickly and with a lot of passion. And we actually had that happen one time. I'll give you an interesting example. When a drunk driver, a DUI happened on our old street in our old neighborhood where they actually crashed into a car, got out of the vehicle and tried to run. And Mm -hmm. my husband and some other gentlemen in the neighborhood took off on foot after this person. And I felt the Lord tell me to run in the same direction after them, but to use that language (laughs) that he gave me. And he literally said that Mm -hmm. in my spirit. He said, Christine, all the neighbors were out, by the way. People were watching this go down. People were on the phone with, Mm -hmm. you know, first responders trying to get the police there. The dispatcher could hear me praying in tongues, told my neighbor, who's that woman screaming in the background? And my neighbor (laughs) said, that's my neighbor. And she's praying. (laughs) 
And so it ended up turning into this whole opportunity, by the way, to share the gospel with the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and evangelize because people knew that I am Caucasian and I am not bilingual. And they're like, what is that language? It sounds like Hebrew. (laughs) And so I got to explain to them the very fundamentals of biblical tongues and all of that. And so God, you never know what God's doing is my point. That was yeah. that was embarrassing in one way because I'm running and like shouting, Jay. I was shouting <laughs> in tongues like a crazy person. Yeah, I'm just this... imagining this scene. It yeah. sounds like a crazy scene. You guys are just running after this dude yeah. and you're praying in tongues. It was and... it was epic. It was honestly epic. But God literally told me, Christine, I gave you that language. I want you to use it. And what was so interesting is when I caught up to this guy that was totally inebriated because the other gentleman mm-hmm. had kind of cornered him and gotten him to where he was going to turn back around and walk back to the curb till the police came. I was shouting at him in tongues. And I just remember he looked like the fear of God came over him, like the holy reverential Mm -hmm. fear of God. And it was a disruptor, Jay. God used it as a breaker because it disrupted him enough that the guys were able to really get a hold of him. And then he just kind of went back and sat down on the curb. So there was something going on with God having me release what I did in war, the darkness Mm -hmm. versus the light. And it caused a disruption in the frequency of what was going on in that atmosphere that was dark. And it, it was just enough of a moment, again, for people to intervene. So I was thankful mm-hmm. that I did it. But I looked like a wild woman. I mean, and you know, people in the neighborhood <laughs> yeah. were like, what in the world? And so, so. <laughs> yeah, that's it funny. Was, that's funny that they thought it was Hebrew. Yeah, They're like, yeah, they, Osbrink doesn't sound Jewish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. They, they, and sometimes, and that's another interesting thing that I'll bring up is sometimes my language, um, and I know other people that speak in tongues, same thing. Again, because it's God who's doing it, not us. We're not, it's not our power. It's not our tongue. It's the Holy Spirit. My language will sound different when I pray in tongues. Sometimes it'll sound more Hebraic or Hebrew. Sometimes it'll sound almost more just, um, Middle Eastern. Sometimes it'll sound almost more Asian. It's very interesting. I've actually had it change at different times when I'm praying in different situations. So I'm always led by the Spirit. Going back to your question, you know, if I feel the Spirit prompt me to pray in tongues, whether it's quietly in my heart, just me and Jesus, or it's in a public setting with a person, or it's in a moment of spiritual warfare where that language then becomes a weapon to unleash heaven on a situation, I'm just led by the Holy Spirit. And I always want to remain uh, led by the Holy Spirit and how I use that gift because I believe that stewardship of the gift is just as important as walking in the gift. Well, first of all, that that shows everybody who's listening what kind of what kind of person you are. That you're you're the kind of person who if there's <laughs> something's going down on the street, yeah. you're gonna get out there and start running after a dude. But okay, a couple more questions. Um, just rapid fire here. When you are praying in tongues or speaking in tongues, do you ever or usually kind of know what you're saying or have any sense of what you're saying? It's a great question. So I would say yes and no. I don't believe that I personally carry gift of interpretation, um, although God could do that if there's a situation where something needs interpreting, because again, it's the movement of the Holy Spirit for God's glory. Um, But what I would say is that, you know, in the Bible, it talks about pray in the spirit and pray in your understanding. And I think that's such an interesting verse about how to steward tongues, because the whole idea is that we're not just doing it for show, but that we're actually using those words to communicate with God and to release God um, over people and in situations, right? So when we pray in the spirit, that's tongues, but then we pray in our understanding. So sometimes what I'll do, Jay, is as I'm praying in tongues, I'll pray in tongues and then I'll start praying in English. 
And I'll just, and again, it's all led by the spirit. And so I think sometimes it might not be specifically interpretation, but it's almost like God's giving me a sense of the theme or, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the feeling behind what the tongues are praying. And so I'll just release it in English. And I think that's actually very helpful again in stewardship when you're praying with another person and you're praying in tongues to pray in tongues and then is led by the spirit, then pray in English. Because a lot of the times what's coming out in English is uh, a seamless connection to what you were praying in your heavenly language. And you're just kind of releasing it in English where mm-hmm. people can understand, which is the whole point. And kind of mm-hmm. even, you know, again, going back to the context of there's four kinds of tongues in the Bible. And you and I didn't really get into a teaching on that. But one of the kinds of tongues in the Bible is a kind that is for the edification of the church in a church setting where interpretation needs to be present. Why? Because... Yeah. If somebody's speaking in tongues, while it's having power and it's affecting something supernatural for God, no question, the whole point of it in the church setting is that people need to be able to understand what's being said so that they can receive it and they can be edified by it. So Mm -hmm. in that setting, when people are praying in tongues, it's important to have interpretation or pray in your understanding in English so that the message that's being delivered can actually be given and received. Um, yeah. so again, in praying with, well, with others, I will always be mm-hmm. open to God having me pray in both tongues and English because yeah. it's important for that person to be able to actually receive what's being prayed, not just hear mm-hmm. me speaking in tongues for the heck of it, you yeah. know? Okay. Yeah. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Cause that was actually my next question. Um, yeah. because I am kind of curious, like I said, I've never really been in environments where, you know, like church environments where people are, you know, praying in tongues or yeah. anything like that. And so, you know, I know that in 1 Corinthians, it gives us instructions, right? And like you mentioned that, you know, Paul kind of puts some restrictions on it where the tongue shouldn't be spoken in the worship unless there's interpretation, because otherwise, you know, nobody knows what anybody's talking about. So I have a couple of questions around this. One, so, I mean, it sounds like you've been in churches where there is this exercise of like sort of the speaking of tongues in the public worship. Yeah. So like how like almost just like the nuts and bolts like how does that work like i'm just imagining like let's say i have something that i want to say in tongues right like do i stand up and be like hey i'm about to say something (laughs) in tongues is somebody here going to interpret if not i'll just keep it to myself or like how does it how does it go down where you you can do it in a way that's biblical how does it go down i love it um (laughs) yeah how does it go down so you know it's interesting and and i do want to just quickly outline since we're on this topic because again i think you know part of us having you know these podcast discussions is to equip the body and those who are listening and so really quickly i do just want to i do have those script scripture references for the four kinds of tongues and if anybody listening is interested in delving into that more on their own we've got the four kinds of tongues are this personal prayer language where the Holy Spirit prays through us, spirit to spirit with God, in literal groans that we do not understand. And that is 1 Corinthians 14, verses 2 and 15. The second kind of tongues in scripture is to edify the body in the church setting, which is what you and I are talking about currently, where someone with gift of interpretation is present. And that is 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verses 11 through 13 and verses 26 through 28. The third kind of tongues in scripture is tongues expressed as a literal known language on earth. And that is in Acts chapter 2 verses 6 
through 8. And that is, of course, the famous passage where after being filled by the Holy Spirit, the disciples and the apostles began speaking in a large crowd. And people who spoke in foreign languages in that crowd were hearing the message in their native tongue. And then the final and fourth kind of tongue is as a form of praise and worship, which I love because I'm a huge worshiper. And that is found in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, and 16. And that is where it refers to singing psalms and spiritual songs. And that's a type of tongue. So that what a beautiful mm. expression of worship that that is, and a picture of heaven. So those are the, the references for anybody interested. Um, but getting back to your question, yeah, you know, in the church setting, I haven't been in, I want to just distinguish the fact, I have not been in churches regularly where corporate speaking of tongues happens. However, um, my family and I were part of a, a vineyard Christian church, part of the vineyard movement for a time and a season in our journey. We loved it. Mm-hmm. And vineyard would on occasion, not every Sunday, but on occasion, they would have times during worship where somebody, you know, who spoke in tongues would be prompted, like you said, Jay, that they had a word that they wanted to share with the corporate body of Christ. And that person would usually go up on the main stage where, you know, the worship would take place and they would release it with somebody who was present and known to have gift of interpretation so that Hmm, those of us, yeah, in the congregation could understand. I don't think there's anything wrong or for believers to feel condemned in any way, shape or form if you are in a corporate church setting and you just out in the congregation during worship or something are feeling led to speak in your heavenly language if you have gift of tongues. I don't think that's what scripture is saying. I don't think it's saying you can't pray in tongues as you're worshiping or feeling led. What they're talking about in this context is somebody coming up to the front, like we would have a pastor or a teacher come up and give a sermon and be speaking in tongues. In that case where there is sort of a sermon, if you will, being given in tongues, the Bible mm-hmm. says there is to be somebody with gift, known gift of interpretation present to deliver that word so that everybody can understand what God is saying. Interesting. Yeah. So you, that's why it's important to kind of make that distinction between sort of like these different Absolutely. Um, forms of tongues. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm just yeah. kind of curious because like I said, I've never been in these churches. I've never seen yeah. how it's practiced. Yeah. And I'm sure not every church practices is exactly in the same way. Exactly. Okay. Right. You know, and some churches may designate services where they actually do that. And you know, that's what you're going into. Like, hey, we're having a service where we're just allowing the gifts of the Holy Spirit to move. As many people as feel like they have a word in tongues and they want to come up and share it on the stage, here's somebody with interpretation to translate it. So yeah, I'm sure different Mm -hmm. churches handle it differently. All right. So my last question for about tongues, (laughs) I know I've been really drilling down on this, but I've just always had so much curiosity about it. So my last question I want to ask you about tongues is... Um, have you ever been around somebody who was speaking in a tongue and you were like, hmm, I'm not so sure about this one. Like yeah. this one feels sketchy or, or dark. Because you know, I've, yeah. I've heard these stories from people and they're, sometimes I don't even know if they're real stories or if they're just almost like these like Christian um, fables or something like <laughs> that people tell. But, you yeah. know, I've heard these stories where, you know, people are, it's usually in the context of talking about why 
you should not be speaking in tongues in the yeah. church, right? And um, without interpretation. And so the story kind of goes like, yeah, you know, we were in this, you know, there was this church service and then somebody was speaking in tongues mm-hmm. and everybody in the congregation was like, oh, yes, praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then later there was somebody who, I guess, had the gift of interpretation who was like, yeah, you know what that person was saying? And they yeah. were basically saying, all speaking all kinds of curses against God and yeah. things like that. Yeah. And so, you know, I've, I've heard this story many times. Like I said, I don't even know if it's a true story or if it's just sort of this Christian, you know, kind of a cautionary tale, right? Right. But um, have you ever been in a situation where somebody was speaking in a tongue and you're like, mm, I don't think that one's from the Lord? <laughs> I love it. We're, the, we're getting into the nitty gritty now. No, this is great. This is so important. And yes, I actually have had that experience where I felt like I was witnessing darkness and not light. And, um, you know, first of all, I do want to say again, for purposes of teaching, which is why we do what we do, you know, the Bible tells us that demons absolutely do counterfeit. We know that the devil is disguised as an angel of light. So again, case in point, why we need the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the gifts and we're talking about needing the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do kingdom. This is one reason why we need discernment because there is a battle and that battle sometimes is going to look like darkness Um, and light that's obvious, but sometimes it's going to be a gray area where there is demons counterfeiting things that are part of the kingdom of light, and it is difficult to tell. And so we do need discernment. We do need the Holy Spirit's help. We do need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as the global body of Christ. That is one reason, and there's many reasons, but that's one reason, because we need to be able to understand how to separate, test the spirits, and know darkness from light. And so I have actually had that happen. We at one point were attending some revival meetings. I was at some revival meetings um, local to the Southern California area. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, there were many people kind of manifesting, I would say, in different ways, including speaking in tongues. What I would describe that felt like a red flag or off to me wasn't necessarily the way their tongue sounded, but more what I was feeling in my spirit because I'm a feeler. And also I believe that the kingdom is going to feel like the fruit of the spirit. It's going to feel like light. It's going to feel like joy. It's going to feel like love and peace. And I felt agitation from these people. I felt agitation. Mm. I felt darkness. Um, I felt that there was a sense that it was not the presence of God. It was not the presence of worship and purity and holiness. And so what was interesting to me as well is that as I began to look at some of those people's eyes more deeply and closely, Um, I'm a big believer in that scripture, Um, discernment 101, Jay, the eye (laughs) is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. That is right out of the Bible. And I am a big believer that that is discernment 101 out of that verse. And so oftentimes, if I feel something that feels like a red flag, that feels like darkness and not light, even though it's a manifestation or it looks like authority or power or tongues or whatever, I will look at people's eyes because their eyes reveal what is going on a lot of the time. And as I looked at some of those people's eyes, I was deeply concerned because some of their eyes were filled with darkness, Jay. I did not see the light. I did not see the shine that you see emanating from those who are Jesus people. And we all kind of know know what that is. I mean, we've all been around people that have very have darkness in their eyes or seem like they're void 
of light. And some of those people's eyes were extremely, extremely dark. I did not see the light of Christ. I did not see the light of life and of joy and of the kingdom. And so that was a huge red flag to me that I believe that some of those, I can't obviously make a blanket statement and say that every person, I mean, I was at the revival meeting and I'm full of light and I'm (laughs) full of worship. But some of those people at that meeting were unquestionably in my mind, um, operating in counterfeit demonic stuff. And it was obvious from the way that it felt and the way that their eyes looked. So I think that as believers, you know, one of the best things that we can do, again, is to teach and equip people. Basic 101, how do we have the ability to test these things? And how do we have the ability as the global body of Christ to know what to look for with these red flags? And and this this is what I would say. I would say, number one, here's an important question to ask. Is the person who's manifesting tongues or prophecy or whatever that might be, shaking on the floor, whatever that might be, you know, is the person worshiping the gift and making a name for themselves, like a spectacle Mm. on display, wanting attention, or are they worshiping God? That's a, that's an important question. We, We can ask that when we see somebody acting that way, it's really good to look deeper. Who are they worshiping? Are they worshiping Jesus? Are they lost with him? Are they in the presence of God? Or are they seeking attention? And are they looking to do something for show and worshiping the fact that they have a gift? Second of all, I would say that true, true authentic worship, right? Will always glorify and point to Jesus and Jesus alone. That's an important thing for people to know that are listening. And Mm -hmm. another important question, are the gifts being used to manipulate, take advantage of, or hurt someone else? So if mm-hmm. we are gifted and anointed in a certain area, um, even in the body of Christ where we're not moving in counterfeit, I've seen this happen, Jay, with people that are gifted and anointed. They carry legitimate, Holy Spirit-given, charismatic gifts that we talked about from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. However, they don't have the character and integrity to steward those gifts, and they're actually using those gifts to manipulate others to control Mm -hmm. others, um, to take advantage of or hurt others. And that doesn't honor Jesus. So we have to be careful to look at that fruit. Jesus said we'd know a tree by its fruit. Here we go back to scripture. If the fruit that's being displayed by the person using the gift or manifesting is ever manipulative, controlling, harmful, hurtful to somebody else, then that's a good red flag indicator that something's not right. Um, and that that person is yeah. not operating in character or integrity and mm-hmm. very well could be full on operating in counterfeit demonic as well. And I, I just want to break in here because I, I appreciate all the stuff that you're you're sharing here and just very practical ways, scriptural ways that we can discern. Yeah. And and I like the distinction that you're making that sometimes, yeah, maybe you're experiencing something that is really like demonic and yeah. counterfeit. Yeah. And sometimes it's just... It's not necessarily that somebody is like, you know, demonized, but it's just, yeah, yeah, they, they genuinely have a gift, but they, they don't have the character. And so I appreciate that because, yeah. you know, I, I'm able to think, I think, on both on both sides, you know, and so I, I can hear the, the, the person who is like a cessationist or just very skeptical about right. these kinds of gifts saying, well, if if there's so much, you know, wrong that could happen or, yeah. you know, you, you it requires so much discernment, why don't yeah. we just like, just why bother with it, right? Like, we don't need to take the risk that we might accidentally, you know, be encountering something counterfeit or, you know, empowering somebody who doesn't have the right motivations. But yeah, I think my response to that is, 
even if you're not talking about the miraculous gifts of the spirit, you still have that same problem, right? Like even if you're just talking about the gift of teaching exactly or right. leadership, right. you still have that same problem of, yeah, sometimes the people's character it is not in line with yeah. you know their exercise of their gifting or their manipulating Jay. people. And this translates into the into the discussion about the whole idea of well because the church people get hurt in the church should we throw away the idea of the church? Mm-hmm. I mean it's exactly yeah. what you're talking about, and the answer is absolutely not. We never throw out the baby with the bathwater ever, mm-hmm. because we live in a yeah, world so- that's always going to be filled with tension. And there's always going to be examples that we can look to of anything in the kingdom that we could say that's not outworking in the most optimal way. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that we scrap it completely. That means that we are committed to working toward healing, reconciliation, and doing a better job. It doesn't mean that we just throw away the idea or the blueprint because in any of these cases, these things all matter to Jesus. They matter Mm -hmm. um, to the global body of Christ. And so the answer is never to become so skeptical or cynical that we just toss it out. The answer is mm-hmm. that we work harder at understanding the fundamentals of scripture. We work harder at understanding the whispers of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, to to end this interview, I wanted to kind of raise some of the common objections that cessationists Raise. Maybe I shouldn't call objections, just kind of their view of why they believe these gifts have ceased. But honestly, I think we've talked about most of them throughout the course of this interview. Yeah. There is one thing that we didn't really touch on, so maybe we can just touch on it briefly. And this is one of those things where I don't even know if I'm, I'm not expecting you to answer this question, you know, but <laughs> just to get your thoughts on it. But sure. I think one objection I think I've heard people raise or one argument that I've heard people raise is just, you know, if there really is the gift of healing today, like there's people who are getting this gift of healing from the Lord, then, you know, why don't we see more healing? You know, yeah. like why, you know, well, I've, I've heard it kind of this objection raised in two ways. One, why does it seem like a lot of time these healings are like these weird sort of like niche <laughs> sort of things yeah. where it's like, you know, my jaw was clicking or you know i had right. tmj or my leg or something, was too was short good. and I yeah, yeah i had my one leg, leg yeah. <laughs> that was a little shorter than the other yeah, you know, like yeah. these very niche sort of things right? right where it's like you know if there was really these people who had these gifts of healing like shouldn't they just like go to the hospital every day and just like go around yeah. to every room like yeah. healing people so you know i don't know like what what are your some of your thoughts about that question sure yeah and these are these are fabulous questions this is the the, the real deal stuff that we all think about um I think that if you really watch people that move in healing, at least I would say in my experience of having, you know, having seen some different healing ministers and different things like that or watched some documentaries, while there are some of these niche things, um, there's also a lot of other types of healing that they that that they are seeing happen when they're praying for people. Um, everything mm-hmm. from post-traumatic stress disorder to heart conditions to inner ear, you know, people having their, their deaf ears opened up. I mean, it, it really does, in my opinion, to be fair, I think there's a broader spectrum because I don't think that that's necessarily true in every area. I think that there's many, many kinds of diseases, illnesses, emotional, physical, and different things that I've seen people that move in healing, pray for people and that they get healed from. 
Um, so maybe just bringing a little bit of balance to that particular area. But then also, um, you know, it, it all goes back to God's sovereignty, right? God's the distributor of the gifts and God is also the one through the Holy Spirit uh, moving and through the Holy Spirit's power, the decider of who gets healed and who doesn't. So it's not about just going into a hospital and praying for everybody to get healed and saying, because I carry gift of healing, everyone's going to get healed. No, because that's putting the power back on you. To say that you're moving in the pride of your gift and that you can determine the outcomes. But guess what? We're not the determiners of the outcome. Our job isn't to determine who gets healed because we're not the healer. Our job is to show up and stand in the gap and use that gift as a tool to give an opportunity for God to decide if he wants to heal somebody. We're, you know, we're never called to be the one who is the outworker of the healing. We're just called to be prompted by the spirit to pray for the sick. The Bible says, you know, that the prayer prayed in faith will make a sick person well. And we don't understand healing fully this side of heaven because many people of great faith have been prayed over and have died. And they didn't get healed this side of heaven. Of course, we know that eternally speaking, they're healed and they're whole in the presence of our great God. But it's not about our determination. It's about the sovereignty of God. And our job is to pray for people and to do so in faith and to do so in joy and to be God's hands and feet to people, even those that carry gift of healing, right? The same thing. Mm -hmm. Our job is to honor God and let God be God and decide who God's going to heal. Um, mm -hmm. And I would also say that part of the issue with some of these things is that, you know, it's much like how sometimes, you know, we've all heard stories about missionaries in other countries where they report these fantastical supernatural things happening. Yeah. Dead bodies being raised, all kinds of things. They're like, and then it's like, well, why don't we see that in the United States? Well, because we're skeptical here of supernatural. You know, in general, we tend to have a culture here in the United States that is very anti-supernatural. We like intellectual. We like what's predictable. We like what's explainable. We like parameters and boundaries that we can define. And where that mind of intellect comes into things, again, it limits the outworking of the Holy Spirit. Whereas in some of these other nations where missionaries are reporting these things, in some of these places, you have cultures that are deeply demonic and occult, but they're very open and receptive to the supernatural. So in that, God, who is ultimately supernatural, shows up in those manifestations and in those ways because he's dealing with a culture that's hungry for it. And if they see it, they're not going to be in doubt and deny it. They're going to receive it and they're going to turn their face toward the king of kings. So again, it's cultural too. Mm -hmm. You know, it depends on where the outworking of these things are happening. What is the people group like that is on the receiving end of it? Are they skeptics? Are they doubters? Are they open to the supernatural, even if they're in dark darkness and a cult to where they're going to believe supernatural things when they happen? This is the same way that we hear about Muslims being encountered by Jesus Christ himself in their dreams. Why? Because you and I both know, Jay, that the Muslim people as a culture attach value to dreams. They believe in the power of dreams. And they believe in the importance of dreams. So God is able to use dreams to encounter them because they'll listen if it comes in a dream. So it's very important that we recognize that cultural parameters affect how the Holy Spirit moves and works based on whether or not the Holy Spirit is welcome, based on whether or not the people are receptive to a particular type of power demonstration. We know that in scripture, there were times Jesus actually was unable, the Son of God, to perform miracles in certain places and in certain regions mm -hmm. and in certain cities and townships. 
and in certain crowds Mm -hmm. because of their lack of faith. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, maybe we're assuming that it's these things aren't happening more regularly, but we're just in the wrong place. (laughs) And uh, we're looking in the wrong places. And uh, just, I mean, even with the example of Jesus's hometown, right? You know, not, he was not able to do many miracles there because of their unbelief. So, you know, it might say a lot about us. Yeah. So, well, Christine, thank you so much for being open to speak on a topic that is, yeah, can be somewhat controversial. Thank you so much for letting me kind of lean on you and ask some very, very specific questions about your own experiences with some of these things. Um, But to close this off, um, you know, Christine actually has offered to close our time in prayer and, you know, just led by the Spirit to to offer a short prayer and maybe to exercise her gift of praying in tongues. Now, I, I realize that some of you guys who are listening to this might not be comfortable with that, and so it might be a good time for you guys to, you know, kind of press stop on this episode. But uh, for those of you guys, you know, and I feel comfortable allowing her to do that because, you know, this isn't you know, this is a podcast, this is not a church service. So I don't necessarily feel constrained to like, make sure there's somebody to interpret or something like that. But um, so Christine has offered to kind of close us with a brief prayer and exercise that gift over us. And so, you know, we're going to end the episode in prayer. And uh, Christine, I I turn it over to you. Thank you so much, Jay. And I just want to thank you again, Jay, too, for this opportunity to, um, you know, just uh, speak with you about such important things um, that help advance the kingdom of God and our Jesus, who you and I love with all of our hearts. So it's always an honor and an absolute joy um, to get to share time with the Daily Sabbath. Um, So dear Jesus, we just come before you right now, and I'm just going to start by praying in my understanding in English. Um, We honor you. We worship you. We love you. We adore you. We can't get enough of you. We need you. Fill us, God. Fill us where we're thirsty. Fill us where we're dry. Fill us where we're skeptical, where we're hurting, where we doubt, God. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We invite you right now to come. And I just pray, Lord, that um, as I pray, um, using the gift that you've given me of tongues, that Holy Spirit, it's your words. It's your heart being prayed over the body of Christ and over the individuals listening, God. We just love you and we welcome you here, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we adore you. Release your living waters over people, God. Hallelujah. Release the deep things of God. The deep mysteries of Jesus. We ask that your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth. On earth as it is, on earth as it is in heaven. Let your dawn break open, God. Over the seas, God. Over the earth, God. 
God, we ask that you would pour out your presence. Over every person listening, God, we release the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts, the charismatic gifts of the Spirit. According to your goodwill, God, your perfect timing and plan. Over every person desiring and hungry to receive these gifts, God, especially and even speaking in tongues. Fill them, God. Fill them to overflowing. That they would sing your praises, God. That they would fill the earth with your truth and the knowledge of the glory of God. That they would give you all glory, Jesus, always. That their soul would be satisfied as with the richest of foods we praise you that you are grace and truth we praise you that you are word and spirit jesus the living word we love you and we honor you jesus and we pray that everything that you wanted to be accomplished today would be done according to your will for your kingdom, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, 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 and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so there it is. I want to thank again my guest, Christine Osbrink. Again, make sure you check her out on Instagram at the 44. I've included a link in the episode description. But I just wanted to close really quickly with a few of my takeaways from this interview. My first takeaway is that, you know, again, even though I personally have not really experienced any of these gifts, I see no good reason from a biblical standpoint to think that God would not continue to give these gifts today. I just don't think the Bible teaches that God is not giving those gifts to people anymore. And so I fully expect that he is giving those gifts to his people. Because why wouldn't he? Like Christine said, we still need those gifts just as much as they did back in those days, if not more. My second takeaway is that, you know, if a person is going to try to walk in any of these kinds of gifts, like words of knowledge, prophecy, healing, it takes a lot of courage. <laughs> You have to be willing to put yourself out there and end up looking like a fool and end up looking like a failure. Because it seems like even people who, like Christine, have experienced God working through them in these ways multiple times, you never really know for sure. And so it takes courage, it takes guts, it takes faith, it takes humility to be able to put yourself out there to give the Lord an opportunity to work. And sometimes you're just going to end up looking like a fool. But if your goal is God's glory and to see him work in someone else's life, I guess like Christine, you're willing to accept that risk. And then my last takeaway is that there are some abuses of these gifts. 
right? There, there are definitely some abuses that sometimes these gifts are used to manipulate people or sometimes people become overly fixated on these miraculous types of gifts. But I think it's also true that even the spiritual gifts that are not controversial, like the gift of teaching or the gift of leadership, that these gifts too are also abused and sometimes used to manipulate people, that sometimes we become overly fixated on these kinds of gifts. And, and so with that in mind, it doesn't really make sense to just dismiss any kind of charismatic or miraculous gift because sometimes it gets abused or sometimes people are manipulated or we get overly fixated on them. That happens with all the spiritual gifts sometimes. And so it's not really a good reason to just dismiss them out of hand. And so those are a few of my take homes. I'm really curious to hear what you guys got out of this conversation. What are your thoughts? Have you experienced these kinds of miraculous gifts in your life? Or maybe there's some objections that I didn't raise that you wish that I would have. You know, are there things that you wish that I would have asked Christine about? And so I would love to hear your thoughts. You can leave me a message at dailysabbath.com. There's a link in the episode description. And let's keep this conversation going. Until next time, catch you guys next week. The closing song for this episode, Shadow of Your Wings, is by Aaron Michelle. For more music from Aaron Michelle, you can find a link in the episode description. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share this episode with a friend or on social media. If you'd like to connect with Pastor Jay, you can visit dailysabbath.com or our Instagram account at dailysabbath. your love and kindness will sustain me when every final chance has passed me by. You're the only one that is remaining when every well has been bled dry. Lord, I am thirsty. Lord, I am thirsty. When every cup is on its side, Lord, won't you fill me? I need you to fill me. Lord.
Lord, I am thirsty. Lord, I am thirsty. When every cup is on its side, Lord, won't you fill me? I need you to fill me. Fill me. I need you to fill me.